1: Christmas, everybody! Good to see you. It is Christmas Eve, Eve, and we we made it. Another year, another year over. Is that the song? Is that how the song goes? I was thinking, another year older and deeper in debt, but that's a different song. <laughs> Sold my soul to the company store. <laughs> hey, um, this year uh, Christmas time, my uh, we were over at my mom's house. My mom and my dad. Um, and they, they recently moved down from northern Canada, where we're from, and with them they brought lots of stuff that I just didn't realize I still had. And one of the things that I got this Christmas that I have been missing for over 20 years is this little Christmas ornament right here. And um, put it on the screen. This is, this is a little tiny. I guess I didn't lighten it up a lot, but it's a little Christmas ornament that my friend made for me, uh, it was actually a, a project, it was, in the, it was in kindergarten or first grade, I don't remember, and we all uh, got these little pieces of broken glass, yeah. shards of glass that was given to first graders, and then we were handed glue and glitter. I just want to say, that's an 80s school teacher for you right there, like, <laughs> Can you imagine if a school teacher did that these days? Like you could cut yourself, you could hurt somebody. You could, you could. This is not good. Um, you, you could rob a convenience store with this thing, and and it was. That's how it was in the '80s, though. I mean, we 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 grew up and just uh, we rode bikes everywhere we wanted to go, and uh, I guess we just didn't have the news to tell us how dangerous the world was. <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was. Here's the, the interesting thing about this deal is. Um, it's from a kid named Luke. I don't even remember Luke's last name. But, um, but I haven't had this in my possession since I left for college. So I guess well over 20 years ago, this, this has never been. And I, I had told my wife about it several times. I was asking where it was because I wanted to put it on the Christmas tree. And she would say, I don't know what you're talking about. And it turns out that this Christmas ornament was still sitting in the exact same box of Christmas ornaments that I had put it in all those years ago. Now weird things you, you put something somewhere and then it shows up I, for instance um, this jacket I only wear it at christmas time and uh, thank you thank you very much. thank you very much. I was told I should put a, a like a bead a bead version of Elvis on the back of it <laughs> that may happen <laughs> and um, but as I put the jacket on, something else that I had been missing for an entire year showed up, and it's my wooden beard comb. It was in my jacket. It's like, come on. Are you, guys a, you thought I was scraggly because I, I didn't have a comb. I had a comb. I just didn't know where it was. But in, in life, often we um, will misplace things. Do, do, do I have anybody here who's uh, sitting next to somebody that loses things all the time? Oh, you guys are so nice. You are so nice. First service was very aggressive on this one. They're very, very aggressive. Uh, I'm one of those people, I'm constantly losing things. Uh, My wife bought me a tile. Does anybody know what a tile is? Yeah, tile is a gift from God uh, and Jeff Bezos, I guess. Probably, I don't know. But (laughs) it shows up, no, it wasn't him. Who makes tile? I don't know who makes it, but I got it on Amazon, so... But you, you put it on your, on your keys, and you can find your keys. As long as you can find your phone, <laughs> you can find your keys. And I can find my stuff anywhere. Often when I tell my wife, I'll, there we go, you got one right there, Matthew. Uh, often when I, when I can't find my stuff, I'll ask my wife, like, hey. Because uh, I think boys just never grow up, right? So when I was a kid, if I, if I lost things, I'd Mom, where is it? And Mom knew where everything was. Like, Mom knows where everything is, and so I assume my wife is just as magical, and so I'll say, hey, babe, like, where's such and such, and she'll, she'll often reply with a very wise response, something along the lines of, uh, it's probably right where you left it, <laughs> which is super annoying, like, it's the worst thing you can hear, it's probably right where you left it, um, until it's your child that loses things, and then the response is, it's probably right where you left it. It just just rolls downhill. But I think this year, in 2021, there are people that have maybe lost some things along the way. Maybe lost some items. Just coming through this this difficult year, it's been a really strange uh, extended season for all of us. Maybe for you, you've misplaced your hope or misplaced your focus or maybe you've lost your joy it's just been hard to, to find joy in this season or or perhaps perhaps for you it's your your connection to people that you love that is just it's just deteriorated over the past year or so or perhaps because of the illnesses that are going around you've isolated yourself and the unintended consequences of that is just just a sense of being alone and forgotten or maybe you've had a loss in your family we've we've lost a lot of things and i want to ask you today what do we do when our hope is missing what do we do i'll tell you what we do we leave no stone unturned don't we we'll we'll go to this church service and we'll listen to this music on on Amazon Music and will or YouTube or whatever it is and will will go after this thing and after that for some people when they have no hope they they turn towards perhaps a new relationship that maybe the way to find hope is to find a new person or maybe for someone if you're like me when you're looking for hope you grab an extra two or three cookies amen somebody Or maybe for you, when you just feel like you need a deeper sense of significance, what you do is you buy a new vehicle that, if you're honest with yourself, you don't need it yet, but it sure makes you feel good. Or maybe what you do is, when you're looking for that shoulders-back feeling, you just bury your head into your work, and you chase achievement, and you chase the promotion, or perhaps for you, what you do to regain hope in this season is you add just a little bit of something extra into your eggnog. Everybody's quiet. <laughs> How does he know this? I know it because we're all searching for something. Every one of us, it doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter your gender, it doesn't matter your status in life, We are all searching for the same thing. And and in the church, we talk about this idea that we find Jesus. We're looking for Jesus. And we talk about that when you find him, that you also find hope. We believe that hope comes with Jesus, that the two come together, that you don't get hope without Jesus, but with Jesus, you always get hope. So how do I find him? Uh, today I want to talk about this very unique passage in Scripture. One of the few places in Scripture that talks about this idea of finding him. Uh, this time of the year we, we talk about the birth of Jesus. And we had Doug's amazing voice. Oh my goodness, his voice is amazing. Um, he can read a phone book and I would just be tantalized like this is amazing. But we talk about the birth of Jesus and how... How how angels spoke to Mary and spoke to Joseph and spoke to shepherds and how wise men that had been waiting for an answer uh, they they saw a star in the east and they uh, they they all come to this this young boy we hear about how he's brought into the world and and then in Easter we celebrate. The death and the resurrection of Jesus, which is really the pinnacle of his ministry, like the the pinnacle of his life. So, So often in the church life, we're talking about either his birth when he's an infant up until about two years old, or we're talking about his ministry years that is only about three and a half years long. And there's only one place in Scripture that talks about what happens between the time that he's born and the time that he's doing ministry. And it's in Luke chapter 2. He's 12 years old. It says this in Luke chapter 2, verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. Jesus' family had traditions that they followed. They had customs, they had behaviors that they did on a routine and we live in this culture, don't we, where we really, uh, we tear down anything that isn't bolted, like any sort of family tradition, any cultural tradition that can be removed. We tear it down because we're, we're kind of uh, uh, renegades as a culture, right? We, we tear down traditions. And, and what happens is we've created an entire generation without the rhythms of tradition in our life. And there are some things that are healthy traditions there are there are some things that you should do like brushing your teeth should be a tradition somebody I'm I'm just preaching to my children right now (laughs) like there are some things that, that should be a tradition and if you don't have a tradition that you do as a family or perhaps you don't have a home church I just want to invite you this is your invitation to join us for Christmas Eve Eve service for the rest of your life. Just as a family tradition. You don't even have to be part of this church. Just make tradition. It's okay. And after the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. And his parents didn't miss him at first. All the parents say, amen. amen. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... And they didn't miss him. They're like, good riddance, 12-year-old. <laughs> they didn't miss him. That's so crazy to me. <clears throat> like, they had one job, right? Like, one job, raise the Savior of the world, and they lose him. <laughs> because they assumed he was among the other Travelers, and, and when I read this, it's so easy to point fingers at Mary and Joseph, and and it's so easy to be like, yeah, come on, like this is all you had to do was keep track of this guy. But it says that he he stayed behind. It, it wasn't that he wandered off. He he didn't he didn't go somewhere. He stayed somewhere. And. I don't have that experience in my life. When my kids typically go missing, it's not because they stayed somewhere. It's typically because they wandered off because they knew better. Like, I can tell you countless stories as a parent of how many times my kids have wandered off. And I think this is great practical theology for us. That, like, mom, dad, you are not a terrible parent for losing your child. it's okay. Mary, the mother of Jesus, lost him. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Somebody just needed that word. There's somebody here right now that's like, I can't believe these parents would actually lose. Them. Just wait till you have a child of your own. They disappear. And they disappear because, let's be honest, kids are sneaky. <laughs> This sneaky, This And it's telling us something about Jesus. He is 12 years old. Which means he's in that season of life where we begin to uh, push away from our parents in establishing our own identity. We, we push away from our parents. And as parents, it's really hard to see our kids do this. We feel like, like it's a rejection of us. It's not necessarily a rejection of us. It's just them becoming themselves. And we, through prayer and through patience and through counsel of friends that tell us not to uh, take matters into our own hands, we know that eventually they're going to come back around and, and they're going to be their own strong individual. It's a healthy thing. It's just really hard. I'm in that season in, in our children's life right now um, where my kids are starting to do the push away thing. It's, it's hard. But this is where they're at. They, they see him leaving away, and and I think Jesus going missing is is even in this room. For people in this room, you, you might be here today because you were invited by somebody and you're just being nice, or they told you there would be hot chocolate and cookies, and so you're, you're about that, or maybe you're in town visiting and you're just with friends, or, or maybe today this is just... You're hoping for something different. I think many of us have experienced him, but we've kind of misplaced him along the way. And we misplace him because potentially you were going to a church environment like this and and the hypocrisy was just too much for you. People that said one thing but didn't really live it out. Or maybe for you, you were in an environment like this, and there was this weird abuse of power thing going on where it was really about a hierarchy and a power structure, and it just did not feel healthy. Or maybe you went to a church, and it turned out from your eyes that it seemed to be all about money, and the hard part about that was nobody knew where the money was going, or maybe you were in a church and, and you, you really loved the idea of Jesus, but what made it so hard for you was that his people loved their politics more than they loved him. Or maybe you went to a church and they talked about grace, but when it was time for you to receive some grace, there was none to be had. Or, or maybe for you, like he just stopped being relevant and the questions that were being answered were just not the questions you were asking anymore or maybe for you, you went away to college and in a social anthropology class somewhere, you just began to wrestle with new ideas and, and you didn't know how to bring those ideas into alignment with your faith. What I'm saying is that like we experience him, we know him. But it's true, we often leave him behind and walk away. It's not something personal towards him. It's not that we dislike him. It's not that we can't stand Jesus. It's just that for whatever reason, we leave him where we had him and we move on and we assume the same way Mary and Joseph did. We assume that he's still with us, but we're doing our own. Thing now, and, and when it gets like that, and we've, we've kind of wandered away from our faith family, we, we, we assume that, like, like, I may not be, like, a quote-unquote Christian, but I still love the Lord, I'm still a good person, and, like, compared to my friends, I think if God came back right now, he would choose me, right? Like, God, like God operates on a bell curve, you know what I mean? Like I'm better than most, so, like, so I'm probably going to be okay. And and, and we approach life that way, but when we walk away from him, it feels as though everything is normal and we don't miss him at first. After a while, we begin to recognize that he's not with us. The next verse says But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and their friends. I think it's fascinating that it isn't until evening that Mary and Joseph begin looking for baby Jesus. It's it's not until evening until we really start looking, is it? Everything seems normal in the daylight, but there are seasons and times of life that are best described as evening. Scholars have called it for, for centuries, about 400 years, they've called it the dark night of the soul. Those, those desperate nights when you're walking through a divorce. Those, uh, d- those horrible moments when you're dealing with, with a, a mental illness or an emotional pain. Those times when your kids go sideways and the friends that you thought would come around you only point fingers. Those moments when what you thought you had planted your hopes in, they don't last. And so in those moments, those deep, dark Nights of the soul, or those evenings when our health wanes, or our finances fail, those times when our friends show us that they're not really the friends we thought we are, that we thought they are. It's in those moments when we experience fear and we experience exhaustion, just wishing that we could have him again. And so in those moments, we go back to looking for the God that we have spent the last year ignoring. or Maybe the last five years. Maybe the last ten years. Fifteen. And we search everywhere for an answer to fill the void that he was in. But we cannot find him in those things. We search in perhaps what I really need to recover hope in my life is a new relationship. And so we look for an illicit relationship that is somehow going to fulfill a fantasy that might provide hope in our life. Or perhaps we look towards Uh, prescription pain medication that is somehow going to restore confidence again or maybe for you it's just dealing with the real world is so emotionally difficult that we look for hope by burying our heads into a video game for hours every evening. Or maybe you wag your finger at the one that buries their head in the video game and you don't understand it. But when I say you watch Netflix for four hours every night, you recognize this need to in our entertain ourselves to sleep, to somehow find hope. And I just want to tell you that Jesus is not there. He's not in the relationship. He's not in the pain meds. He's not in the entertainment. Jesus is not there. Verse 45 says, when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Let me tell you, in order for them to find Jesus, they they looked everywhere where they were, and they realized where they were is not where he is. In order to find him, they had to go back. Let me say it this way, for you to get what you're looking for in God, you need to go back before you can go forward. You've, you've got to return to where he was when you left him in order to go forward to where you want to be with him. You've, you've got to go back, you've got to return, you've got to do a 180 degree in your life, you've got to do an about face Because he's not in the busy plans that we make. He's not in the career. He's not in the new engagement. He's not in the 401k. And the Bible gives us a word that encapsulates this idea. It's a word called repent. And it literally means to turn around and to change the way you're thinking. To to walk the opposite direction. So today I ask you if. If you feel like hope is missing in your life, where did you leave him last? Where was the last place you saw it? P- perhaps it was in a church gathering like this, where you had found faith and you found hope and you thought you found an authentic relationship with God but but somewhere along the line you became distracted and it could have been by by people within the house or people outside the house but distracted and, and, and disengaged and, and your heart was right. You're still a great person but you're, you've you been distracted and, and you've drifted is all that's really happened or, or maybe you were advancing in your career and you just had so many plates spinning that at, at some point you just had to decide which plate can I allow to hit the ground and and when you looked at your life you thought I, I, I really I can manage all these plates but the, the easy one to set down is the the church, walk with God, religion thing. I'm going to drop that plate so that I can continue to progress and, and to see achievement in my life. Maybe you served. Maybe you found a lot of significance serving the homeless or serving in a church community or leading a small group in your home, but at some point you just drifted. Can I tell you that when God seems most distant in my life, he is right where I left him. For many of us, we're gathered to worship him today, and and we have this hope, this this idea of hope in our lives. And and, and for some of us, maybe we don't have that same sort of Christian hope. And, And you wonder, like, why would I want to become a Christian when it seems like the Christians deal with the same exact problems I deal with. Like, they still struggle with anxiety. They still struggle. They get freaked out by life. Like, they get sideways politically. They go off on social media. Like, they, they, more than than night like, like we like, why would I want all that? And let me say the reason why is really simple. Christians deal with the same struggles as everybody else. We deal with the same problems. We deal with depression. We deal with all the other stuff. The, the difference is, is when the floor of life drops out on a believer, it's like the elevator floor. It, it has a stopping point. Yeah. Like, the elevator doesn't fall, fall as far. Like, when life goes crazy and it seems like, everything, like, like the world is falling apart, for a Christian, at some point in the middle of all the chaos, in the middle of all the struggle, it's, it's this moment when we remember where our hope really is. And in that moment, we realize the, the farthest this elevator can fall, like, that worst case scenario is heaven. Like, the Apostle Paul says it like this, to, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Like for a believer, there's this hope that says... Like, if, if my marriage, if I can't hold my marriage together and it just, it just keeps crumbling apart, worst case scenario, like the worst situation possible, I get to see my Savior face to face. Like, if the political situation in our country continues to polarize and things get wild out of hand, worst case scenario, I get to be in heaven with my Lord and Maker. And that's a hope, like, that's encouraging to know that, like, that the worst case scenario is still better than the best case scenario here. And there are other people in the room, like, you haven't found that hope yet, and so when I describe this idea that when the bottom of the floor falls out and you lose the job and situations spiral out of control, the question becomes, how bad is this thing going to get? In the midst of an unpredictable and chaotic world, we have hope in Jesus Christ. The next verse, verse 46, says it like this. That three days later, they finally discover him in the temple, sitting among the religious leaders, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When they finally found him, he was right where they left him. I was raised in church. My parents started churches when I was younger. When I was about 12 years old, we moved to northern Canada, and they, they, they were working, and we were helping out in the church there. And, and I loved the Lord. I always loved the Lord. But I was also kind of always a skeptic. And I remember right after I graduated high school, there was this moment when I just had finally had enough. Because I loved the Lord. I just really, I didn't like like the mean people. It it seemed like in my world, the, the people that got to lead the church were the meanest People. And I watched the way they treated my friends that wanted to live for God, but were just teenagers. But the way they were treated was just not right. And I remember any time you had a question, you just got shouted down. And it was just, it was this unhealthy environment. And and in all of my frustration, I, I remember, I just, I was like... then then forget it all. Like, I love God. I don't need your church. I don't need your Bible. I don't need your religion. I'm just going to go after God. And and that's what I did for two years. For two and a half years, I just kind of wandered off, and I did my own thing, and I was having my own life, and, and I was a good person, but I wasn't about to walk through those doors because I was so frustrated with the way things worked. Until I showed up in an evening, until I got to that dark night of the soul, that moment when, when it seemed like the places I was trying to find answers didn't have answers any longer when it seemed as though the friends that I had placed my hope in no longer provided the need that was really there. And it was in that dark night of the soul, in those moments when I had wandered away because I was like, you guys aren't answering the right questions and you guys are all about control. It was in that moment where I realized, like, I wasn't saved by them anyway. And I wandered around searching, but I finally went back and found him But he wasn't where I was, he was where I left him. And I found him at an old altar in an old church filled with the exact same people that I thought were mean and weird. And I just realized that in that moment, in the dysfunction and the chaos of it all, I could still encounter the same God that I'd left long ago in spite of all the dysfunction. going to tell you today people have let me down but Jesus has never let me down and he was right where i left him he didn't get on board with the great plans i had for my life that was my hope my hope was i will set a course for this thing and god you come join me and we're going to do great things together I discovered that he wasn't really in the business of getting on board with my plan he was right where I left him he was still back there and it was in that church community with imperfect people that I began to discover who he was all over again family he's church listen he's he's right where you left him He's right where you left him. Verse 48 his parents did not know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, Why have you done this to us? So embarrassing. Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. We've been looking high, we've been looking low, we've been looking everywhere. We've been been trying everything, trying to find the answer. We've been searching everywhere. And his response to their searching is this, why did you need to search? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? His response to your searching is simply, why are you searching? You know where you left me. Why have you been searching for 15 years? For 40 years, for 50 years, why have you been searching? You know where you left him. Didn't you know that I was not the one that left you? Can I tell somebody that today? God is not the one that abandoned you. He's where you left him. Your Bible says he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's where you left him. God, I I I didn't I, I don't get it. Like, why aren't you with me in the middle of my dark night of the soul? Like I'm in the middle of pain here. Why aren't you answering me? God, why don't you show up when my evening came? I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. Where are you? And I want you to know today that he does not leave us. We just have a terrible habit of leaving him. And that long journey off course, we look for him to validate it, but the truth is he is still where we left him. So can I tell you today that he's right where you left him. He's right where you left him. And today you can come back to the Father's house. Today you can come back to Jesus. He's not wagging his finger. He's not saying shame or tisk tisk. He's saying, why are you searching? You know where I am. Because I believe that every single one of us, Romans chapter 1 tells us this, every single one of us have had an encounter with God. Everyone. And maybe for you, it was in an environment like this that, that you experienced the power and the presence of God when you were young or or maybe for you, it was in a conversation with a friend at one point. They were talking about their faith, and it just did something inside of you. Or maybe for you, you were on top of a mountain elk hunting one day, and it just you don't know what happened, but it was this weird emotional response to the world around you. I'm saying every single one of us have encountered the living God at some moment in our life. And, and Jesus, he's in that moment. I'm saying in that moment, he was initiating a conversation with you. And so if you want to find him today, what you've got to do is go back and say, I'm here. I'm listening. I'm available. We go back to that moment. We go back to that relationship with God. So today there's couple different types of people there's some people here today that you would call yourself a believer you would say that your faith is in Jesus Christ but when I talk about the idea of leaving him and wandering off by distraction or drifting you know that to be the case that I've drifted this past year I've drifted a little bit and can I tell you that it's time to stop asking him to validate your plan for your life. And it's time to start asking him what his plan is for your life. There's another group of people here today that that when life goes sideways, the elevator floor just comes off and you recognize that there's that hope of Jesus, that hope of heaven is missing. And I want you to know today that your, your Bible promises you that when you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you will be saved. That in that moment, something eternal happens when you believe here and you speak here. And that all of that can change right now. If you're hearing me when I say we need to get, stop asking him to validate our plans and we need to say, Lord, what are your plans? If that resonates with you, I just want you to bow your head with me all across the room. and We're just going to ask the Lord to put us on his page instead of asking him to get on our page. God, right now we turn away from struggle and the striving we do to get through life without you, asking you to accommodate us in our our plans. God, I pray that right now with these people whose hearts are surrendered towards you, Lord, that you would speak your grace and your love into their lives, that you begin to show them your plans, your purposes. Your word says that you would give us the desires of our heart. We believe that means that you reveal the desires that should be in our hearts and then you accomplish them. Pray that this next year as we step into 2022 that our lives would be aligned with you. And that we would stop searching. With every head bowed and every eye still closed, I ask you, are you one of those who when life gets bad, the elevator floor drops out and the hope is missing? Is that you? If it is right now, we can fix that. Right now, you can find salvation in Jesus Christ and hope in him. If you'd like that, would you put your hand up just so I can see it? on all across the room. Look at this. Come on. Come on. Bold hands. Pray with me right now. We're going to pray something like this. We're just going to turn back. Jesus, I'm sorry for the things in my life that I know don't please you. Say it with your mouth. Lord, I'm turning away from those things right now. Would you forgive me? I believe that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. And right now I'm placing all of my faith and hope in him alone. Say these words, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, and I will follow you every day that I live. Come on, church family. There's some people that just made the best decision of their entire lives. At this point, I'm gonna ask the team to go ahead and dim the lights for this uh, this portion. That was a fast dim. <laughs> when you came in today, you received a candle. And the beautiful thing about a candle is that the candle, hey, I see you guys with your zippos. Calm, calm down. Calm down. It's oh it's a kid ones. I'm sorry. Those are the people with the batteries beautiful thing about a candle is that this candle has inside of it everything it needs. It was built. It was designed to accomplish its purpose in life. This candle was designed to create life. I better get going. We got fast people. This candle was designed to create life. But the light of the candle can only be transferred when it encounters flame. I would tell somebody today that you were built and designed by God with a purpose. He has a plan for your life. He has an agenda for you. But the only way for you to accomplish his agenda is when the flame of God lights your life. You got those Zippos, pull them out now. It's the flame of God in our lives. do you stand with me all across the room? The candle represents you. You were designed by God for a purpose. The only way for you to complete your purpose is when the flame of God lights your life. Would you sing with us?
0: Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church, to find out more. Well, we love you guys, and let's continue to love God, love people, and change the world.